Good afternoon, everyone. It is Dr. Nigro again with our next episode of Psychology Unplugged. Um, forgive me if my voice is a little raspy. I'm coming off a cold or flu, but feeling a little better. Uh, it's a beautiful day here in New England. Um, a much appreciation and heartfelt thank you and gratitude to all of you guys who follow the program. Uh, all the people that I'm able to connect and talk to both nationally and internationally, it is truly an honor and a privilege to be a part of this experience with each of you. Uh, so we have some different ideas about maybe I'm going to put some trainings together, um, some CEU series of borderline, uh, do some, some clinical training. So we've got some neat things that we're going to be adding to this. But uh, really the highlight of my week is doing this podcast and um, – Again, our sincere appreciation for uh, all of the followers that we have both, you know, just, just very blessed and, and, and grateful. Uh, today's topic, motivation. If you were to ask all of the patients that I have seen and the patients that I do see, and they say, what's the one thing that he always says? He's, he'll say, pay attention to your motivation. Now, there's internal motivation, which is really powerful. Internal motivation is our internal conscious decision to act. Independent of what the action is, we're choosing to go in this direction. External motivation is when we're engaging in a behavior or going down a certain path because we're motivated by what we may get, excuse me, may get out of it. So uh, a job that you hate, but you're motivated by the paycheck. Um, Sometimes we use external motivation to increase internal motivation. Uh, You'd see this a lot of times in working with kids. Okay, if you go to your therapy session, then you can play uh, PlayStation for an hour when you get home. Now, people can say, well, is that bribery? No, because when you're taking behaviors that people don't want to engage in, you need to find behaviors that have a high degree of what's called valence. And the, the, the value has to be something, whether that's intrinsic, internal motivation, or extrinsic, external motivation, it has to come from a place of, of wanting to. And paying attention to our motivation really means kind of s- slowing our mind down and looking at it almost like, uh, you know, those old uh, reels from the 1920s and 30s where they kind of had these different things in frames. Um, and we, we go through life in a very automatic high-speed fashion. Now, the pandemic, I think, slowed things down a lot because, and I just, my own observation and and opinion, as well as just talking from colleagues, I think what the pandemic did is when all of us were kind of in the midst of a lockdown, and I think the evidence for this is the influx into the mental health system, um, and there's Julie Chopping, the influx of the mental health system and from talking to people around the globe, we were all forced to confront ourselves. We were forced to confront uh, and look at our partners, our, our, our children, our, our relatives, our, our work. Uh, and, you know, life doesn't have a pause button, but I think the pandemic certainly did, you know, you know, necessity is the mother of invention. And, you know, with the unfortunate number of losses as a result of, of COVID, um, the people who are been, have been able to enter the mental health system has been exponential. And I can speak, you know, 
confidently that this is a, really a universal phenomenon just from talking with people globally. But, you know, the patients I work with, um, it, it's, it's really helpful uh, in stopping to think about what is your motivation. And a lot of people, it's like we go, we go through things and we, we operate on, on autopilot. But when you stop to think, and especially like when I work with individuals primarily like, you know, with borderline, um, you know, if you don't want to do something and that fear of abandonment is so high, before you do it, Ask yourself, why am I going to return that text? Don't, I tell them, don't worry whether you return it or not or whether you engage with the behavior. Just start to notice what the motivation is. And this is a crucial question in dealing with any aspect of, of mental health and just our lives in general. You know, think about, um, you know, if, I think mo- if most of us would read our texts before we send them, uh, a lot of relationships wouldn't be as problematic, you know, but people kind of blast things off and like, I hate you and this and this and this. But if we if we stop and look at what our motivation is, uh, it's purely coming from ourselves. I've said this before. There is no such thing as the unconscious. Everything we do is conscious. It's purposeful. Some things are more automatic, but an essential part of the psychotherapeutic process, especially with cognitive behavioral therapy, is looking at the cognitions and the thoughts and paying attention to the motivation and noticing the themes. And those themes could be, you're going you're gonna to find themes, and there's not a universal one. It, it, it's really uh, idiosyncratic to a specific individual. What is my motivation for doing this? And a lot of times people are like, holy cow, I never, re- I never realized that. Um, that doesn't exempt us from our, our responsibility for the choices that we make, positive or negative, adaptive or maladaptive. But paying attention to, to your motivation is, is, is a crucial, uh, crucial factor prior to change even being able to take place, noticing. And I always, like I said, I always tell patients I work with, uh, don't worry about changing your behavior right now. Just notice what are you thinking prior to engaging. Actions cannot, thoughts drive everything. Actions, thoughts lead to behaviors, and emotions are just the byproduct of it. That has been proven over and over and over again. It is the foundation of rational emotive and cognitive behavioral therapy. Paying attention to your cognitions and your motivations is going to give you more insight into why you are doing something. And it really becomes more crucial when you're working with somebody or you're looking at your lives and what's the motivation for, do, for, for, for things that may be destructive, things that may be maladaptive, things that may be counterproductive. Um, and don't worry about whether or not you like the answer. That's a, that's a whole other topic and and, and, and an intervention in and of itself. But it, it's really getting to a level of more self-awareness and and slowing our, our, our minds down. Uh, something I have not been able to do. Um, my mind never shuts off. And Julie and I have been watching a couple movies last night. And I get to look across like, will you please stop talking? Um but you know, motivation is it it's something that we we own. And you know, a lot of us like you know, like external motivation, um is it always is it a bad thing? No, it's it, it's not. But if we live our lives solely that I'm only gonna do this if if you do this for me or the world gives me this, I don't know. That's a question of how authentic is, is your life. That you know, you just it's more of a game. I think if it comes from, you know, 
reflection or prayer or deep contemplation, and you realize that this is coming out of a place of, of sincerity and uh, kindness and, and peace, that it, it makes more of a motivation is really, um, it's something that we own. It's not a, it's not a tangible entity. Uh, a lot of things in psychology are really not. Schemas are not tangible. Heuristics are not tangible. Uh, cognitive distortions are not tangible. But you can see these in, 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 the, in, the, in the emotions that people display, whether that's uh, outward you know, verbalization or what we call like uh, paraling- paralinguistics, uh, nonverbal communication, body language. Body language is a huge part, uh, especially in my, in my job of, of doing diagnostics, of watching how people answer and respond to questions. But, you know, when you stop and look, I, I, and I can't, I, you know, my, what's my motivation for doing the podcast? My motivation was to legitimize mental health, demystify it, give a sense of purpose, and, 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 and be an advocate for uh, people who struggle with mental health issues or families who are dealing with the relatives or loved ones or coworkers and colleagues, whatever, to, to give this a reality because without the face, you know, it's not, it's not like you have a cast. You know, there's, there's no psychological cast. And people, I, I just get, I get frustrated when people are, are ignorant to the fact that mental illness is real. It's frustrating when people dismiss mental health, and it's even more frustrating when people uh, dismiss the severity and what it can do. Is something you may say is innocuous as as say well, it's depression, anxiety. Those could those could take your God filled soul and, and fill it with devils and dust. Is is as sure as the night turns into day. And it's always, you know, I always recommend people getting into therapy or staying in therapy, um, you know, even if it's a if, if, it, if it's a proactive approach to kind of circumvent any kind of proliferation in symptoms. But for my work with people, I, I constantly are asking why. That is the crucial question is why. Why do we do the things that we do? And we only repeat behaviors. This is a fundamental, a really important point. We only repeat behaviors if they have value, independent of the appropriateness, uh, legality, uh, morality of it. We only repeat behaviors if it gives us value. Now, it could be something like, I, I uh, uh, let's see, um, I go to the gym every day. Why do I do that? Because when I go, I feel better. And I work out, and my body stays in shape, and that's that, that's my that's my motivation. Okay, so I keep going to the gym because I'm choosing that. You know, life doesn't choose us; we 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 choose life. Sometimes life throws us curveballs, pandemic, a death, whatnot. Um, but that's the beauty and the power of, of the human condition: is you're never without a choice, you're never without. Um, you know, options. You just might always not like the. You always might not always like the options available at any given point in time. But you know, it, it, if if somebody you know self injurious behavior, people can look at that and be like, why, "Why would you keep doing that?" Because it obviously has value to the person. Now, would we want to correct that? Yes. Um, you know, I I mean, I don't agree with you know the whole dialectical behavioral thing where you draw a red line on your hand. That's ridiculous from my perspective. Um, but you know. People, we repeat behaviors uh, 
because they have value because they get and and, and motivation is tied to that because it, it it really is part of our you know the limbic system is a lot what drives this that's your that's you know the the, the amygdala being a crucial part um in encoding, you know, as, with emotional regulation, and that's a part of the brain that's really dysregulated in in borderline pathology. But mo- but 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 motivation, if it's intrinsic, uh, I think has a lot more power. Um, and again, extrinsic motivation isn't always as bad. And like I said, a lot of work with with kids and trying to change other other behavior, you can't, other people's behaviors is sometimes you will you you get what's called the over justification principle, and that's when the you know I give you a quarter for every time you do this to build a, an adaptive behavior, brushing your teeth, whatever, because that say that behavior wasn't in place prior. So every time you brush your teeth, you get a quarter. After, based on the pre- premise and the, and the research of what's called the over-justification principle, eventually the quarter becomes irrelevant and the behavior just becomes part of the person's adaptive repertoire. And at, at 11 a.m. every morning when they get up, they brush their teeth. So we can use external motivation to increase and create a behavioral response. Uh, internal motivation, I think, is what we deal with a lot in, in, in psychotherapy is what, what, uh, what, what drives you. Uh, now you can get into this is a whole other topic in and of itself, which is called like drive theory. But I think all of us are driven by certain things. Some of us are driven by gold and silver. Other others are driven by, uh, you know, like a histrionic is driven by you know, the applause from the crowd. Uh, some people are driven by uh, by by money. Uh, you know, so I think what what drives each of us is is completely separate and. I, I, this is not about being the moral guardian. I think this is, you know, the, your own conversation that you need to have with yourself if, if you're doing things and whether you realize them yourselves or other people have told you that this is a problematic behavior, what is your motivation? And that is something that you, you, you own. And you may not like the answer to it, but you cannot change something until you first become aware of it. And a lot of people aren't aware of it. And a lot of times, you know, in working with like individuals who are like couples therapy or family therapy, marriage therapy, everybody has the assumption, we all know what it means to assume, everybody assumes that there's a universal definition for love and kindness and peace and happiness and anger. Take any, any human condition, experience, or emotion and... and uh, I guarantee you, if you give the whole family, you take a word, say affection, and write down a definition, every one of them is going to have a different different definition. And in my work with people um, in couples and stuff that I've done in the past, uh, I've seen this over and over and over again. So, um, you know, but when you get to motivation, I, I've, I can tell you that I've seen the transformation in enough people that once they become aware of it, and, 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 I, and I kind of give them the framework of don't worry about if you keep engaging in it. Just start to notice, and you're gonna. Like I said, the definition of that I, I can't accept of the unconscious is is Adler's, which he said that is simply that part of ourselves which we have yet to fully understand. And but that doesn't mean that's that's the unconscious. That's where he and Freud really kind of separated, and he was ostracized from the inner circle in in in, in Vienna, where they would meet on their Wednesday night meetings, but. Uh, because said, no, everything is a choice. Everything is purposeful, and that is the that is the foundation of the tenets of cognitive behavioral rational motive therapy. That everything is purposeful, but motivation is not about necessarily about choice. It's about the reasons. It's about you know. So motivation is really about reasons, 
And if you factor in, and sometimes this, this happens a lot, this if you go back to the episode I did on cognitive distortions, this is where those 17 cognitive distortions identified by Robert Leahy can really kind of come into play. That is it really your is that really your true intention, or are you just deluding yourself into believing it? Um, you know, sometimes people, you know, you get into like things like uh, uh, convert the conversion disorders, where people um, they experience or report physical symptoms of which there is no physiological cause. Fact, factitious disorder. Um, that's where people usually are feigning an illness for a secondary gain, and the secondary gain is. Uh, that could be to get on social security. That could be to get on disability. Um, and as soon as they're out of the doctor's office, you know they're, they're limping all the way in. As soon as they get to their car, you know the neck brace comes off, and you know the cane goes in the back seat. And you know, so we we have tests. Well, that, well, just, well, yeah, well, in fact, this is sort of by proxy is what it used to be called Munchausen syndrome. And there was a great movie, and I that, I can't think of it. Ruby, or do you remember that movie? I think my dad and I watched that. Uh, but, but there's a movie about a mother who, you know, she she got all, tons of money for her kid, and the girl was in a wheelchair, uh, and, and played the role. Um, so that, that that that's a really good. What did you say? I don't think the audience. Knows. So Munchausen by proxy is um, when an individual will take an, like uh, a parent, for example, um, makes their child. Purposely sick, but not to the point where they're dying, but maybe to the brink of it. And they rush them to the emergency room and they're, they pump their stomach or whatever. You know, they sprinkle a little bit of arsenic. Um, and the mother is lauded by the medical team for, oh my God, you saved your daughter. You know, and they can tell a dramatic story of, you know, I, I'm glad I got home in the nick of time. You know, I was working an extra shift, you know, to be able to buy her something. You know, they're all, this is about like, you know, validation of their own sense of self, which is really twisted. Um, but uh, there was cases of, of nurses who would make patients sick or keep them sick and then uh, resuscitate them or perform some drastic medical procedure. And they would be uh, you know, given awards uh, by the hospitals. So um, Munchausen or factitious disorder by proxy is intentionally making another individual sick and then being acting in a role as the perceived savior and this behavior repeats itself, and they get their self-esteem is fueled by the reactions and the responses of whether it's the medical community or any kind of group that you see this as such a caring and loving person or incredibly smart. Uh, but you know, it, it, it's a, it's it's a very serious disorder. Uh, I, I I have encountered it in in in. Um, my work, Julie would say her travels, but I don't know where she's always traveling to. Um, but back to, um, um, so the, so the motivation for that is, uh, I want, I want recognition. That's the motivation. Now, okay, that's, a, so you can say, okay, that's a good, that's not bad. You want recognition. But the way you're going about it is probably not the best or the most appropriate that you're putting somebody else in jeopardy to validate your self-esteem. 
So, yes, the, so the, ex, the, you know, the, the end result of, like, I want attention, I want affection, I want this, I want that, 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 that's fine, you could own that, but then you have to take a look at what are the, what are the methods and the, and the methodologies that you're, you're going through to, to attain that. And, you know, when you're putting yourself um, in, in jeopardy and you're putting yourself or other people in jeopardy, I think that becomes more problematic. So, um, you know, motivation is something that all of us have. It's something that I don't think all of us spend a lot of time thinking about, but is it is a crucial part in making in in really looking at why do we make the decisions that we make, and that is our that's our motivation, that is our personal um, uh, personal decision. Um, and again, there's the internal and the external motivation, and internal is is, is you're, you're owning it. It's coming from a place of, and again, I'm just using the example of the podcast, it comes from a place of selflessness and, and just pure enjoyment and being able to share this information and, and, and knowledge, and that, 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 that's my motivation for, for doing this. Um, it could be, you know... You know what's what's a mother who loves making dinner. What's what's your motivation? Because I get to see the smiles on my my kids' faces, and I get to see a, a happy family. So it doesn't always have to be bad. It doesn't have to be be pathological. We deal with more of the problematic behaviors, and then piece out the emotions, um, or piece out the motivations in 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 doing you know cognitive behavioral therapy, kind of getting to the to the root cause of, you know, why you're you're repeating this and you're motivated to do it. Because you're getting something out of it, and sometimes what you get out of it can be adaptive. Sometimes it could be it could be unhealthy. It could be maladaptive. That's a separate thing in and of itself. So if you're in the process of therapy and you're in the process of, of working on yourself or trying to understand other people, ask this question of yourself. Ask ask your your therapist if you're working with one. You know, can we explore my motivation for why I do this? That is going to help you to come to a realization of a better understanding. And then it's much easier to find, like I said, the themes and understand the, you know, maybe the ontogenesis or etiology of where these the, this came from. Because, again, behavior is purposeful. We own it. Uh, nobody, nobody can make us do anything. We, we have our own, our own choices. We have our own crosses. Uh, we have our, you know, the human experiences. Um, an, an amazing gift and and sometimes just some slight alterations, and it's just becoming. I think it boils down to more self awareness, uh, because you can't change anything until you first become aware of it. Uh, and a lot of people, I think that I've worked with, they, they have some inclination, but you know, through through the therapeutic process or using what's called the, the Socratic dialogue or the Socratic method of questioning to really get down to a deeper core level of what is driving this person and what is motivating this person. And you can put them in the categories, like I said, of adaptive, maladaptive, appropriate, inappropriate, whatever. But motivation, um, I want to just bring this up because I, I, I've it's something that I, I constantly focus on with the, with the, with the small handful of patients that I work with, but and work with in the past. And it's a crucial part, you know. I primarily see people, individuals with borderline personality, and that is a huge part of it. Um, and and it's it's really transformative when people kind of get to that holy cow, 
I, I never looked at it like that. And then the process and the potential for change uh, is increased exponentially. So that's my part today. I think Julie, I, I, know, I know Julie wanted to mention something that is uh, near and dear to her heart. Um, back to the wild horses. So now what's your motivation for doing this? To save these beautiful horses. Okay. Um, I just want to, I'm going to keep you updated. This is an ongoing issue. I posted it on our Instagram um, I also added a story. Um, this is, uh, this is, um, I know I get really emotional about it, but, uh, so, you know, I'm very kind of emotional about, um, wild horses. Um, I'm trying to find this thing on Instagram so I can share it with you. Sorry. Um, there is the BLM. I posted on Instagram, so... Listen, I know that people who listen to this um, podcast are struggling and they're attracted to our podcast because there's stuff going on. And I know what it's like to feel overwhelmed and feel like I can't, I can't, I don't have anything to give. I don't have it to give. I'm asking you to just pay attention to this. I'm asking you to please view our podcast uh our instagram just a picture it will explain everything about what's happening with blm which is the bureau of land management we've been fighting a, a bunch of us have been fighting for the protection of these various bands of wild horses that are across the united states mostly in the the mid um midsection and to the west and the blm is literally rounding these horses up via helicopter and they're trapping them they're rounding them up and they're um auctioning them off to slaughter and i don't mean to say this to upset anybody i'm telling you this is just keeping me up at night and i'm trying very hard to work with a few people to find out exactly what to do i've already been um i've spoken about ashley avis i've i've uh posted about yeah let me do that too i posted about sandy sisty um, she is a very, uh, she is, she photographs, actually she's a professional photographer famous for fo photographing wild horses. And it's our plight, their plight, and I'm now, you know, hooked. I want to help do whatever I can. Originally they, you know, had a little click, click on this and write your congressman. Um, it really comes down to Congress. Congress has to change, but what's happening is it's against the law. It's against the law to round up and remove wild horses from our land, but the BLM is doing it anyway, and they're getting away with it, and um, things have to be done. There are two advocacy groups, uh, um, American Wild Horse Campaign and the Cloud Foundation. Um, they are looking into a lawsuit to stop the roundup. I'm not asking anybody for money. Because I know a lot of people struggle with money. This is not what I'm asking for. I'm just asking you to pay attention. If there's something that I can help help you to help this cause, I will do it. Right now, we're just trying to fight with um, BLM, which has, uh, we had like 6,000 letters, um, all from various people, including myself and my husband, 
and um, and they disregarded it. So all of these letters. So it's really, it's it's just it's morally and ethically wrong, and it's um it's a heinous crime, and um, these animals are innocent and they're defenseless, and they have families. If you look on Ashley Avis, um, she is the one who uh, uh, did the um, remake of Black uh, Black Beauty for Disney. She subsequently wound up discovering the roundups while she was out in the West, and the horrific ho- the horrific way they treat these horses. And so she she she. Um, went to Congress with a documentary that she and her husband made um, called Wild Beauty. And it is intensely moving. Um, and it's also nominated for an Oscar. But she took this to Congress. Um, November 1st, the BLM has announced that they are going to do another roundup of the um, Mulligan, Mulligan uh, band of horses. And um, I posted exactly what they're going to do all over the rest of the United States with all of these wild horse families. These are families of horses and they are important and they matter. Thank you for listening to me. And, um, you know, I'm motivated by this because this hurts my heart and I love animals. Um, but horses to me, I, I just think they're the amazing creatures. And, my my motivation is hopefully to connect with enough people to develop a um, a place where we can rescue horses from auction and slaughter and offer equine therapy. Um, I know I played Powerball last night because I'm hoping to win tons of money so I can do this because that's exactly what I would do. And like the motivation for me just to bring everything back around is that that motivates me. So motivating, knowing that I'm trying to do something to help others, motivating, what motivates me is when a client comes to me and they say, I need help. Um, I, that motivates me. I'm motivated to help someone to live their best life. I'm motivated to be the best mother as I possibly can, the best wife, um, the best friend, um, you know, I, it motivates me to take care of my loved ones, the best you know, Gigi, because I have two grandchildren now. And um, I'm, I'm motivated to take care of my family. And I know that Cora kind of mentioned like the Munchausen by proxy stuff, which is, I think, a whole episode in and of itself. And um, I don't remember the movie that it was, but there are several ways to um, be able to understand it visually. Um, I'm sure we'll, we'll look into that. Um, it's not necessarily always mothers and it's not necessarily always nurses. So I just always want to say that. Um, it's, I don't think it's pretty gen, I don't think it's gender specific to females at all. So just to clarify that, um, we love you. Thank you. God bless you. And I will talk to you next week and I'll keep you informed and just please check out our, our Instagram, um, for the sake of the, the wild horses in our country. Thank you so much. Thank you for the public service announcement, but it is, um, you know, it was Julie's passion and uh, figured we'd use the forum that we have created. Uh, and we really talked the other couple nights ago about 
finding a place and uh, rescuing some horses uh, because and doing equine therapy, which is incredibly effective for uh, children with autism spectrum disorder, uh, kids with um, behavioral problems and helping them learn and teach empathy, uh, uh, veterans, people who have uh, PTSDs. There's a, so there's a, there's a, a therapeutic benefit. And you know, like Julie said, her motivation is, you know, purely driven by her internal desire to, um, you know, protect. And you know, our motivation is to just try to educate and uh, make ourselves as available as we can um, to whoever is willing to listen. So, Pay attention to your motivation. That is one of the most important things that you can do, whether you are struggling with a mental health condition or, or not. It's, it's just, it's, it's a good exercise in self-awareness. It's a good exercise in just uh, our, uh, understanding ourselves better, slowing ourselves down, and, and paying attention to the reasons why we do things. That is what is crucial in doing any kind of psychological treatment, is understanding the why. What is interesting, why is crucial. So until next time, uh, keep reaching out. You can get a hold of me through Psychology Unplugged at Outlook.com. You could uh, get a hold of me through um, Psychology Today. Uh, follow us on Instagram at Psychology underscore Unplugged underscore. And uh, you could even get a hold of me directly at 617-750-9411, East Coast Standard Time in the United States. And I appreciate all the texts and the, and the phone calls. And I try to get back to everybody. And if I haven't gotten back to you, uh, I, will, I will just stay on me. Uh, until next time, take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Be well. And I will talk to you. Bye, guys.